It's Bridge oh. from Nowhere. I'm Andy Klein. I'm Lou Logan. Wow, and I am Jamie Karnick, a.k.a. Carno. Today we welcome back our pal, Steve Nelson. Steve tells us what it was like when he got here to Juno. You know, you might have a fisherman on one side of you and a legislator on the other side of you or, or the mayor. And I thought, wow, this is what life is like not at my parents' house. I... We call Lou's dad and he remembers his time in Prudhoe Bay. And I did it deliberately because I wanted him to pick it up. Yeah, he's a jerk. <laughs> Jamie had a close encounter with a train. No, I'm glad we weren't hit by a train. Trust me. Yeah. And came close to the gentlest of things. Gentle yeah. racism. I mean, yeah. gentle is not the right word. Gentle but you know what I mean? Racism. Like... <laughs> yeah. That's all ahead on Bridge from Nowhere. I'm like a much older, gnarled version of Lou. <laughs> Taller, whiter. My horrible hands. You're saying you're saying you have there's something going on with your skin on your hands. Yeah. I have the by the way, let's let's just agree that Lou and I have the roughest most, disgusting. most horrible hands of That's any true. Especially when playing poker because of poker tables. <laughs> sounds like Velcro. When you reach people hate it when you win and reach for that pot and you they hear your Velcro hands go <laughs> across the table surface. <laughs> Yeah, we're like slee stack. Yeah, it's a little slee stacky. Yeah, but my fingers during this dry, previously dry, cold snap, the corners of my fingers crack, and it's kind of painful. So the other day I super glued them closed. Oh yeah, mine got so cracked one time that I got freaked out and I did the dumb thing, which is I did medical research on the web. Oh, no. <laughs> and I typed in cracked fingers, and oh. there's this type of herpes. It's called Whitlow's herpes. Oh, poor Whitlow. <laughs> poor Whitlow. <laughs> poor guy. And I was convinced I had Whitlow's herpes, and I went into the ER with just literally a tiny wow. little crack on one finger. And they said, you and have I, tapeworm. And you just walked in and said, herpes! <laughs> you shoved all these old people out of the way, people with broken legs. Get out of my way, I have herpes! I'm going to die of Whitlow's herpes in the next 30 minutes if I don't get treatment. The doctor, like, literally, he's like, you're in here for what? I'm, just in, I'm in the ER. Yeah. You know, I had just really worked myself up into some sort of frenzy because of it was the early years of the web and like all the medical stuff was all the horror stories you know and so you're, you you end up getting convinced that you've got something terrible some sort of terrible condition and uh he was like yeah you've, <laughs> it was kind of like you might want to just hear some lotion yeah please leave now <laughs> you idiot you complete idiot like here's your 300 dollars bill wow yeah totally. for checking into the emergency room or whatever it was it was ridiculous yeah, it's a ton for whitlow's herpes yeah for, I like that the was a, it was a good lesson, though. <laughs> I also did not know there are herpes named after specific oh, people. Oh, I know. Mm. I think that's it. I think I have it right. There's not Frank's herpes or something yeah. like that. Frank Whitlow. Yeah, Frank Whitlow's herpes. Yeah. That son of a yes. bitch. Frank Whitlow. <laughs> Allison Bender's herpes. What the hell have you been doing with your hands, Frank? <laughs> God. <laughs> hand herpes. <laughs> I, know, I hope I don't have hand herpes. I don't think I have. Oh, you're no. right. Uh oh. <laughs> Lou got very quiet. I had to all go to the sudden. ER, guys. <laughs> Lou started researching on his phone. Oh, no. No. <laughs> anyway, Johnson syphilis. That's one of those things that we, we could and we could talk about that as part of the stuff that we talk about here. But there's a compromise you make in healthcare, I think, in Juno. Totally, yeah. Right? It just doesn't just doesn't have the facilities that a normal place has, and 
at a certain point you're sort of trading off the the lifestyle and the community that you're living here with the idea that if something really serious happened, you have a higher likelihood that you might die. Yeah. I mean, we have a friend who recently kind of wasn't feeling great and went to the doctor and the doctor put him on the next plane to Seattle because he said, look. Almost immediately. Yeah. He said, you could have a heart attack at any time and there's nothing we can do for you here. Yeah. Major you know? blockage. And yeah. yeah. So that's right. It's a, it's a, it's, that's pretty scary. Yeah. And then is. you're on a flight. Yep. And flying out of here isn't always the best thing. Stressful. Oh, man. Especially for you. You do not enjoy. I don't like the bumpy stuff. Yeah, it's wild. That's a funny thing for me because I don't quite know when in my life that happened because I didn't used to. I don't remember feeling anything about flying until I was like in my 30s. Wow. I mean, I I, I flew all over Alaska and Cessna 207s and those little planes. uh, Menopause. <laughs> Could be. Menopause. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. With the medical stuff, like I was, work, I used to work on a, on a tour boat, and we brought a group of people to Haines once, and on the way back, they had brought their own pizzas. They bought their own pizzas for the ride back. It's like three hours or something. And one of the people ate a pizza, and she had a nut allergy and, like, started to die, mm, yeah. basically. And, uh, you know, it was with— but Who doesn't love nuts on their pizzas? I love nuts on a pizza. Mm. But she started to die. And then so, like, we're up and we're like, well, we got to take her back to Haynes. And then we realized, well, there's nothing in Haynes, so we got to get her as close to Juno as we could. And it was, I mean, it was a really scary, like— Did you guys have, like, an EpiPen thing not, on board? We did not, actually, yeah. which was terrible. We should have, and nobody did. And right. what ended up happening was the EMTs drove all the way out our road here to the closest, like, port that we could pull into— and they were there with like an EpiPen and the stretcher and everything to get to her because that extra hour might have been yeah. it. I mean, her throat was closing and all of this. I think we gave her some Benadryl or something like that. But, and there was a doctor on board, thankfully. And it wasn't just us running around. Oh, what did we do? But, and that was just a coincidence. Yeah, it was, was just a coincidence. Board, yeah. There was a doctor on board. It was a golf trip to Haines. So, I mean, there was going to be a doctor yes, on board. Yes, there were 17 honest. doctors but, on yeah, board. Yeah, there were so many doctors <laughs> on board. But, yeah, it was a weird thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, all these, it's all these different things. You know, you, there's these sacrifices that you make to live in this place, but then there's also all these benefits you get out of living in this place. Totally, yeah. Like, that, like the idea that people help each other and those kinds of things, you know, you, you, that happens here, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, we, and that, like, people held it together. Like, we all kind of help each other, and there's this attitude of, like, let's not freak out and let's not – it's just for, let's, how do we get through this? A small town, yeah. you don't sort of feel like oh, that's someone else's problem. Yeah. You know, you kind of help. I think. Yeah, totally. Everybody's pushing each other out of the snow and everybody's, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's that sense of like, we talked about isolation here, right? That we're isolated, but in a way, being phys- geographically isolated means that sort of personally, I think we're less isolated than a lot of people, other Americans are, right? Like I've, I've lived in other places and I don't feel as connected to the community there as I do here. Or just even know as many people yeah, at all, right? Yeah, or like a place like Chicago, there's too many people, so you can't. In a way, you have to, like, withdraw to survive, or at least I did. You know, you're walking down the street, and there's just humanity everywhere. So you can't sort of smile and nod and wave to people. Well, there's also that defense mechanism in larger cities that you can't look like you're, you know, you'll be taken. You look like a rube. Yeah. Yeah. You you know. And even within Alaska, uh, the community here is different than, for example, Eagle River. I don't think I've talked where my mom lives. I don't think. We've talked to our neighbors, a specific neighbor, for maybe 10 years. They don't say hi or anything. They don't make eye contact. I guess uh, if you're not part of a certain church group or something, you're excluded. I think that happens. I think church groups are really a big way that people connect and have these, you know, develop these communities. 
Whereas in Juneau, sort of it's the whole community. And not that there's not church groups and things like that also. And people have these subsets. But it kind of feels like you're part of the whole community here. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I mean, I don't – from my experience, like as you become an adult, like how you make friends is interesting. Because for a long time you have this mechanisms of school and college. And then at some point you are an adult and you work. And maybe you like the people that work and maybe you don't. But in Juneau, I feel like – there's opportunities to make friends in ways that it's harder in other places, I think. And I think meet that a person people typically person and, don't yeah. make friends at a certain point. Yeah, I think you I mean, know I've what kind I mean? of found that when I go back and visit friends my age. Like they don't have – I've had friends come up here to visit and talk about how unusual it is that like there's like big groups of friends that hang out in their 30s and 40s. Right, and different ones. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you go totally. to one party and it's a whole group of people that you know and then you go to some other thing it's a whole other group of people that you know and – all these different concentric circles that kind of, you know, intersect at different spots. Yeah, and different age and groups. Yeah. Like the age range of my friends here is much wider than I think it would be. I have friends in their 60s and friends in their 20s. You know, I don't know that that happens a lot for people either. Yeah, right. Hmm. Lou doesn't have friends. What's a fry end? <laughs> oh, Lou. Wah, wah. We're sorry. <laughs> Well, you have, you have done one thing that's actually interesting, which is that you live out in the valley. You used to live downtown. Now you mm-hmm. live out in the valley. It is more isolating out there, isn't it? Especially where I'm at, out at, um, near the Glossier, as we call it in the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get where I'm at. There's no sun because of Thunder Mountain and then because of the trees, the way the, the winter sun works. Is different than downtown, I guess. It rises in the uh, north and sets. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know where I'm going with that's this. That's why. That's why you. <laughs> that's why you live in a moss house. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in the dark. Really, it's and, true. And, and a pile of you, boulders. You now in the summer where you live is really quite beautiful, mm-hmm. but still dark comparatively. Yeah. You know, and it's it's probably it's several de- degrees colder out there. And there's always a lot more snow because I, I might get ready to head downtown. And I, I forget that we'll have twice as much snow out there and I come downtown and think, oh, what the hell? <laughs> Where am I? Where'd the snow go? Where, yeah. What? But, huh? yeah, it is, it is a beautiful spot because some of my neighbors have amazing yard fridges. Um <laughs> They have their own car dealerships with no wheels. Yeah. They some of them have Tyvek sales yeah, areas, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, a lot of Tyvek. What I call Alaska siding. <laughs> Everybody has made their own mailbox out there. Nice. Uh, the, a popular mailbox variety is um, the Home Depot Homer bucket w- with post inside of it. <laughs> and uh, if it ain't a pit, it ain't ish. So get a pit bowl. And you'll be good. <laughs> Choose one of the 15 churches to join, or all of them. Or all of them. And uh, you'll become a Valleyite in no time. <laughs> how would you, uh, how would you categorize uh, downtowners? Downtowners, well, uh, v- they're very familiar with uh, papyrus font because you can go to yoga or get some uh, food at Rainbow for $15 a pound. Um downtowners you you meet a lot of new people uh you give out a lot of dollars and it's a fun place to it's be a fun place there's, there's a bar around every corner yeah i guess it, i mean that's it downtown has become a little bit seedier a little seedier yeah right 
there's a there's a couple of different working groups that are kind of looking at that right now and trying to figure it out. But that's an interesting thing. I don't know if that's something that's happening in communities nationwide. I mean, or, there's been a rise in drug culture, like drug addiction. I think I feel yeah. like is a big part of it, mm-hmm. and that's led to a lot more petty crime. I mean. A lot more break-ins, a lot more burglaries, a lot more cars getting tossed, a lot more. This was a community like that, that for yeah. a long time people would talk about. You never had a key. Yep. You know, I and should. you kept a key. In, you kept your key in the ignition in your car, and you didn't. And you didn't lock your door at home. Yeah, I just started locking my door this year. Just started locking our car this year. I mean, and I've lived here for 15 years. Never yeah. had to do that. Yeah. That's kind of kind of interesting. Maybe we were kind of suckers. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to start thinking about that. Yeah. It's also interesting that, you know, Lou just talked about the valley and downtown. And as my dad said when he was here, shit, man, they're like five miles away from each other. Yeah, it takes no. 10 minutes to get there. <laughs> I was with him once and I was like, I forgot something in the valley. And we got back down. I was like, oh, God, we got to go back to the valley. And he's like, it takes like five minutes. <laughs> what are we arguing about? I was like, I don't want to go back to the valley. I mean, it is funny how like you adjust to the geography of where you live. Yeah. That like it seems far away where you live, but it isn't really so, in the context of the rest of the country. Talking about downtown, Andy, you remember before <clears throat> the tourist zone crept up. So what was that like in that South Franklin area? Was that you that was used by locals? That was Yeah, we've lost much there really. Yeah, territory. Uh, we're you know, we actually gonna at some point talk about I call it Little Crimea because yeah. we've lost it to the uh, <laughs> large well, there were restaurants States. down there. One of the best ones that's most famous was the Armadillo was down there. Some of the best Tex-Mex that I've ever mm. had, actually, was down there. A local couple who are still in town, who are really cool people um, uh, from Texas, opened it up and uh, did great food. There was a really high-end restaurant down there called The Summit, which Ooh. was where you could get like one of the best steaks in town. Wow. They had a little tiny bar that was a really cool little spot. Nice. Um, and, and then there was also the uh, what was called the City Cafe was down there. And uh, that was um, that was a uh, just a kind of cool greasy it's a spoon. Good name for a place. Yeah. the city cafe. Yeah. yeah. So there was so there was reasons to go south downtown. So now the way it happens is that that area is all the tourist zone, and it literally gets boarded up. Yeah. At the end of tourist season. How did it creep up, and why? And how far do you think it'll go? Do you think that's the end of it? I kind of think it'll creep down, like go south. I guess I guess with there's there's this whole development strategy of doing the waterfront, right? This waterfront walk. So yeah, maybe the it'll seawalk. maybe the seawalk will kind of expand the mm-hmm. that zone this way. But I, I gotta think that a lot of what's gonna happen there is gonna be businesses that can work year round. I would oh, hope. I love how some of the uh cruise ships have they come to Juno and they have to dock at a fuel tank farm. Actually, Welcome right, to yeah. beautiful Juno. Yeah. And step it, right off next to the tank farm here. And it's right next to the wastewater plant yeah. that Marissa oh, yeah. was talking about. I used yeah. to, when I worked in tourism, we'd go down there and pick people up. And sometimes it, you can smell the solids. I'll tell oh, you that. Yeah. Welcome to a solid day. You can just, especially on a hot, sunny day, it's 75 degrees and warm, you can smell the solids. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Juno. It was always funny when it was the Disney cruise ship. You know, all these kids going off, Ew! <laughs> <laughs> right. It smells like poop. <laughs> Shut up, kid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't smell anything. It smells like poop. Must be you, kid. 
Yeah, it was always amazing. Yeah, it's your upper lip you're smelling, kid. It was a funny way to like start a tour because I would be guiding a tour and I'd start from the smell of poo cloud, basically. Welcome to Alaska. Mm. It gets better. Yeah, basically is what I used to say. The clear, fresh yeah. air. Yeah, isn't it nice to be up here in the beautiful, natural? Yes, on your right is nothing that you need to worry about. Don't worry about those big tanks. Pay no attention. Yeah, pay no attention to if that. If you love fishing, we got all the brown trout you want. <laughs> Yeah. We're heading uh, out to the glacier. The glacier. Yes, where we'll have some cans of al- aluminum. But well, we've touched on it. We have uh, This is a community that we live in that represents kind of this extreme remote place where we live. But there's many communities in this community. We'll talk about it as we, yeah, as we go continue along. to talk about all these things mm. on Bridge from Nowhere. And now, ladies and gentlemen, your host, Andy, Jamie, and Lou on the Poop Vocals. Now let's talk about poop. Up next, we give Lou's dad, Barry Logan, a call at his house in Pennsylvania. and He's going to tell us what it was like to work in the pipeline days in Alaska. Hello? Hello, it's this Barry Logan. Yes, this is Barry Logan. What's going on? Barry Logan, I have quite a deal for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want any. I don't. Ha- I don't want any, sir. Well, I'm sorry. You, you have must to call die. my agent. I'll give you my agent's phone number. Hey, it's Lou, and uh, Jamie. What's and what's going on? I'm with Jamie and Andy at the radio studio. Hey, Barry. Hey. Hey. We coming in loud and clear? You gonna do this to me again? Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you guys? What are you guys doing? We're 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 doing a segment. We're calling it Barry's. Was it true? What do we call it? Tales from nowhere. Tales of Barry's, Barry's tales. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Factual tales that might have writers embellishments. When I was up in Prudhoe, there was this little thing called a pingo, which is where the it's all flat out in Prudhoe for people who haven't been out there. And uh, every once in a while, you'll see this little hill. And something with the permafrost and the way the water moves, it builds up over the eons. And you have this hump out there. They called, they had a sign out there that was called Prudhoe Hump. <laughs> so, Prudhoe Hump. Yeah, or maybe, maybe Prudhoe Bump or something like that. And it was probably a, a, it was a four by eight piece of plywood. And on my very last day out there, I took it back to the shop we were at and I spray painted it and I renamed it <laughs> Logan's Peak. And then the guy I, it. All uh, right. and then the guy who I was working with, I said, Hey, uh, he, he told me, I'm gonna put that up for you. And I didn't know if he actually did for a while until someone told me, Oh yeah, that thing's been up there for about three years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, on one of those sea lifts in the summertime you work you, you work like 12, 14 hours a day, you know, but you're really not doing a lot of work. You've got to wait around a lot, and then you got to do it. But Good Morning America came up there, that, and they filmed that, mm-hmm. and they videotaped it. And on one of the buses that you, you take the guys out in the morning at 6 a.m., they had a blow-up doll there, a blonde, and they had it in a seat. 
<laughs> and then the blow-up doll was waving the Good Morning America there. You know, <laughs> that night they they showed it on TV. You know, <laughs> the guys there's no women up here, and they, so anyway, we got that blow-up doll, and it was Rusty Jackson's birthday that day, and we took that blow-up doll with the blonde hair and we put her in a, in his bed and we said, we've got a girl come up here from Anchorage. We've got a babe for you for your, she's in camp and you got her in your room, you know, for a happy birthday present. He went in there and he sat there and we could listen to outside in the door. And he was talking to her and he said, you don't say very much, you know, you're kind of you're quiet. And so he said, this is the nicest birthday present I've ever had. What's your name, you know? And he's talking to her. <laughs> a real woman in camp. And so he pulls a blank and he finds out it's that blow-up woman. Boy, he came out. He came out and he threw that thing. He threw it down a hall and he, he was disappointed. <laughs> but it, you had to be there. It was a funny thing. And then one, some guy went and got some lotion and, and he sprayed it on her poured her mouth coming out. <laughs> he, he threw that doll out there, but it probably didn't stay in the hallway for very long. No, probably no. not. <laughs> no, he came out. He came out to, you know, he was, he, 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 but the funny part was he's talking to that thing. So he had, he had a good hey, conversation babe. going with her, you know. Slowly falling and in love. Then, yeah, his birthday, his birthday present. They came out with Halon up there. Halon, they don't do it anymore. Halon, they spend millions and millions of dollars on Halon. Did you ever hear of it? Is it a fire yeah, present thing? Or? Yeah, they still yeah, had some up there the air. in the 2000s. It sucks the, air. it sucks the air out of the oxygen. You have to shut the doors and get out of there. And that way the fire won't go on, see? And who knows? He's been up in Pluto. Eh. Andy, have you been up in? Have you been to any of those camps? I never have. Jamie's been to a few of them, but I've never been to one. Yeah, those buildings have they're they're sandwich sheeting. They're they're about two inches thick. The walls, uh, well, with uh, and and anyway, those doors inside there are like refrigerator doors. They have big handles on it. They're big doors. So what those those that halon would these guys would want to get out of work, right? And go back to the shack and sit around. Well, they would take the sensor and stick it down the back of their pants, and and flatulence, the gas would set the set the alarm off. And then I, I never did it, but it, and uh, and then they would they they would set the alarm off, and then it actually you know pass gas on the things to set them off, and they'd come over and then they'd evacuate, get everybody out, and they'd go over to the shack and sit around. Till they'd clear a fire department and come out. Hey, that, uh, <laughs> but I, that, I, that, I, that guy up there, you know, I just stayed out of there. I didn't want to, I only went up there just on those two weeks at a, three weeks at a time. And I'd make a lot of money at it, you know, I'd make, like, make four or $5,000 in three weeks. So, wow. but those were the old days. Yeah. So you can't, do you yeah. remember the guy named Gator up there? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that guy. He was a jerk. We went up there for Anchorage window cleaning and set up that Conoco new camp at the time. And it was, uh, it was Atlantic Richfield was up there, too. It was Atlantic. Arco was up there then, Arco. They called him Arco. Arco was up there in this brand-new camp. It was a NAPCO building, two-story, you know, rooms on both sides. It had a, 
had a rec room and dining room, all state-of-the-art stuff. They just brought it in from Canada and set it up. And my, this guy was giving me uh, $20 an hour cash. And then we were working 10, 12 hours a day, paid overtime. He paid overtime on Saturdays and Sundays. And we only did it like two and a half weeks. And so I went up there and made the money, and I made good money from it. At that time, that was that was that was good money. And I was upstairs. We just had the vac. These are all brand new camps, so we just take the plastic off the beds, take the vac, and make sure everything was ready to go because Arco was going to come in and give it a white glove test before they bought it. And uh, it was in breakup. And I seen this guy coming up with a front end loader. His name was Gator. You, you, in Alaska, you get these people from uh, from the lower 48. They have these great stories, these big stories, especially the ones that want to come off as a tough person. You know, oh, I shot a sheriff in my hometown. I did seven years or something. They probably <laughs> never did anything. <laughs> but, so, but that guy named Gator from Florida, yeah, they said, oh, he shot somebody, shot a sheriff down there, and he's up here now. He's running front end loader, and I didn't like the guy. And I had to go to the bathroom real bad. And so there, there was some, I put some rags on the floor, and I took a dump in it. And I saw him coming up outside. He was picking the trash up out there. His breakup, right? Snow was going away. He reaches, I could see it. He reached and grabbed that. Grabbed that rag and the stuff got on his hands and it fell out, you know. And then he was all mad. He was. <laughs> I I did it in another room, see, about ten rooms from where I was working, and then I went down and where he came up there looking around. And he goes, he was cursing, using foul language, and saying he was gonna knife somebody he found. And then he came up to me and asked me, and he goes, "Those are brand new gloves I got, and I have crap all over them." <laughs> And, uh, you could see the steam was coming off of the stuff. Somebody just threw it out there. And I was watching him. I was laughing. I did it deliberately because I wanted him to pick it up. You know, he was a jerk. And uh, the, the, he came up there and talked to me. And I said, oh, no, I'm being busy here, you know. And if, I, if I ask, I'll ask around. And if I find anybody that did it, I'll make sure I let you know, Gator. You, know? Yeah, you, get <laughs> you bet, Gator, I'm on your side. Yeah, you know. I'm with you, Gator. Who would do that? That's terrible, Gator. (laughs) Our friend and local musical legend Steve Nelson joins us next. Steve started his days here in Juneau on the radio. We're recording? We are recording. Welcome back. You recording this? <laughs> All right. You guys didn't tell me we were recording. So, Steve. Yes, sir. The year was 1975. You came into Juno from... Seattle. Seattle. And you worked for KINY. What... Did, did you eventually learn how to do radio speak? Did you eventually learn how to do radio speak? I bet you had it down totally. Well, you know, I'll tell you, um, that in broadcasting school, people were trying to develop these personas on air, and I was never comfortable with it. And they had radio names, you know, you had all the, in fact, 
here's a little known fact. When I got here, um, Kelly Perez was on KINY, and he called himself Chico in those days. Remember, there was a show on Chico called Chico and, and, the, and the, man, the Man, and then Freddie Prince shot himself. And suddenly, Chico was not in vogue anymore. So um, uh, one day, Kelly was saying, this is Chico with you in the afternoon. And the next day, he was like, this is Kelly with you in the afternoon. So, <laughs> yeah. so wow. oops. A little local radio <laughs> yeah. history there. Yeah, lo- local radio history. But I digress. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a, a kind of a hard thing to, to get to, to like figure out reconcile this I know who I am in my own head but who am I supposed to be on the air am I supposed to have a a persona and a name and all that stuff and I I just never could figure it out I did speak like a radio announcer though that I could do and after a while I gave that up too I I used my own name Uh, in fact I just ran across this I'm I'm trying to get it transferred off a cart you probably yeah. Listeners may not know what Looks a cart like is anymore. It looks like an eight track, and that's what we use to put commercials on and stuff and play them on the air. But anyway, um, when I got to KINY, they told me that um, your name has been submitted. We're getting a whole new jingle package, and your name has been submitted to the production company. So two weeks later, this tape shows up with a whole bunch of new jingles for the station and every single dj on the air had their name sung by six women Whoa. in harmony so i had this steve nelson wow steve nelson. can we do it can we try it you guys you ready one, one two, two three steve nelson uh, wow you don't sound as good as they do no but- steve nelson but pretty close <laughs> i was gonna say i'm getting myself a jingle package yeah, this weekend too Again, I wish I had a nickel. Yeah, I had, I had all the pieces. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love a jingle package. <laughs> Everyone loves a jingle package. Yeah. Wait, did you say dingleberry package? <laughs> I'm not sure, yes. So uh, what do you recall of your first impressions of Juno? Like, you come here, you move into the Bergman in a room not much bigger than your bed, and you're suddenly on the radio in Juno in 1975. Like, what were your first impressions of Juno as a person who never really thought about Alaska and never really had, like, the Alaska dream or any of that? Yeah, I, I had no context for what was going on here. I was from Seattle, the big city. I came to a small town at the height of the pipeline boom. So there was a lot of money flowing around. This is the capital. And so, uh, you know, this state had money. We had just struck oil, and there was, there was too much money, uh, clearly. So John down, Hammond's governor then? Is that uh, right? Jay, Jay, Jay Hammond, Hammond sorry. Jay was Hammond. governor, yeah. Now John Hammond would be a great governor. John also Hammond, you know. finder of talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, different guy. <laughs> no, Jay Hammond. So, and Jay Hammond's kind of, you know, in, in Alaska lore, Jay Hammond's sort of, sort of, he's almost like the Walter Cronkite of our governors or something. Exactly. You know? He's yeah, a, he was iconic. Yeah. And he really cared about... Uh, about the state and its people, uh, which is sort of a, uh, a thing you don't see much anymore. If you're not the right party, then they don't care about you yeah. so much. But, but he was a real statesman. And, uh, you know, so he was, uh, they call him the father of permanent fund. He got, got all that going, and, well, along with many others. But it was, it was sort of like New Orleans Mardi Gras here in those days. You go downtown, there were all these bars that aren't here anymore um, that that are legendary, like the Dreamland and the Crystal Saloon and Ballroom and the Top Hat Bar. 
all gone. But in those days, you could walk around and there'd be like a dozen bands playing downtown in all these different places and show bands from Seattle. People had money and they went out. And the other thing I liked about it was, you, you know, you'd, you met all kinds of people. You, you'd go into a bar, which was pretty much where everybody congregated in those days. And, and, and there weren't really coffee shops or any, if restaurants. You just went there to eat and then you'd leave, you know, so you didn't really hang. So the bars were sort of the social epicenter. And, you know, you might have a fisherman on one side of you and a legislator on the other side of you or, or the mayor or whoever, you know, prominent business people and junkies. And it was a mishmash and it was really exciting and fun. And, uh, and I thought, wow, this is what life is like not at my parents' house. I, I had no idea. I just thought everywhere was like this. Like the Buddhist temple. Yeah, yeah look at all this right. money. Yeah. It came straight from the river to this. Wow. You know? Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, it might, like things were going up. Prostitution was still legal. Re and, and prevalent. Oh, legal. Yeah, I, I, well, maybe not legal, well, but prevalent. But prevalent. Yeah. It was legal at one time because my neighbor across the street, Dick Garrison, used to tell me he's, he had an electronic store, so he fixed all the jukeboxes in town. And he said, you know, down on the far end of town, and you know, now where the tram is, it's all gentrified with t-shirt shops and stuff for the tourists. But, but in 1975, there was, there was a, a, a place past which you did not go well there were generally. processor plants down there there was a yeah there, and there was a got, cold it got storage. industrial down there right? yeah. yeah and just kind well, of slummy just, little houses yeah. but some... and prostitutes and crime and right mm -hmm. like well not yeah. not necessarily yeah, yeah. crime crime yeah. but it I was mean, just like kind of dark and mm -hmm. sketchy big down. big big foreboding buildings you know, fish processing, warehouses, stuff like that. It was kind of the warehouse district it, in a way. Kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Except there was uh, there was a restaurant down there that a lot of people hung out in, um, the old timers. But but at any rate, you know, the, a lot of those little the, houses that, the that city, were was that the, the city cafe. The city cafe, yeah. yeah, that was a great place. So. Um, uh, the, some of those little houses, some of which aren't there anymore, have been torn down for tourist shops or or turned into tourist shops. Used to be houses of prostitution and dick talks about going in they, he'd get a call and say our jukebox isn't working you gotta come down and fix it so he'd go in there and um there'd be all these you know local prominent business people sitting around waiting to see their their favorite yeah. lady and uh and reading the paper you know just many of them married uh, different times. Yeah. Just so, <laughs> so this is South Franklin Street. This is South so like, Franklin hey, Street. Listener, if you're coming up this summer. Yeah, South Franklin. <laughs> it's, South Franklin Street is where all of your jewelry and t-shirt shops are, but that's not how it always was. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly, no. <laughs> yeah. And my roommate um, actually, so in 75, it was kind of the tail end of that. And I have one little story about that. Um, I, I ran into this guy, uh, Jim Knoll, who wanted... He, a roommate and he lived out in the valleys and he also worked at KNY sometimes and said hey you know get out of the Bergman get out of that dump and come live with me and we'll you know share the rent so I did and uh, he decided he was gonna take me under his wing and show me around Juno you know show me what's really going on and so one of the times uh, he said have you ever been to the Northlander and uh, I said no I haven't and that was it is now the Alaskan Hotel used to be called the Northlander, and in the basement of the Northlander was Ace Bernie's 
Golden Idol Bar. And Ace Bernie owned the North Lander, and he was this character, <laughs> uh, sketchy dude. So we go down into the Golden Idol Bar, and it's, it, you know, it's a basement bar. It's dingy. It's dark. We, we go down there. It's the, like the middle of the day during the week because we were both working, you know, and he takes me down there at lunch. And there's several women sitting around the bar. We're the only two guys in there. And there's this postage stamp little stage. I mean, literally, it's like three by three. And above it is a shelf with a Buddha, a golden Buddha sitting on there. And so as we come in and we sit down, he goes, okay, just wait, just wait. Watch what happens. So the music starts playing. Well, uh, one of one of the ladies <laughs> leaning on the bar who is wearing a bikini walks over to the jukebox and puts a quarter in and starts playing a song. And then she she kind of really bored and sad yeah. walks up to this little stage and starts kind of shaking a little bit, you know, <laughs> like apparently to entice us. Uh. And so Jim's going, huh? Huh? Right. Jim, oh, man. Let's get out of here. What is this place? What are you talking about? And so anyway, what, the, what it was is Ace Bernie owned the bar. He owned the hotel. And so basically the prostitutes were working downstairs. And then you could pick which one you wanted and man. go upstairs. Well, eventually the city father said, you know, we got to shut this prostitution thing down once and for all in Juneau. We're, right. we're going to clean house here right right so so they they shut them down and suddenly all these prostitutes were out of work and about a month went by and then over in the hilton hotel there was a little there was a little uh corner thing that used to used to be like a barber shop or something that had gone out of business so suddenly this massage parlor opens up there and and we're all going, hmm, <laughs> that's where they went, huh? Yeah. So a couple weeks after it's in business, uh, it opens up its doors, you know, and I, I guess they had some clientele. In the Juno Empire, this story appears about an undercover agent who had gone into the massage parlor and received a, quote, hand job from one of the masseuses. <laughs> they use that term in the paper. They used it in the paper, yeah. yes, 1975. If it's in quotes, it's, you know. It's and okay. guess who else read it in the paper and found out about it? His wife. Wow. And that was the end of their marriage. Um, and he was like, honey, no, I was working. It was the work. I was working. I can't entrap. Work. You know, if I'm going to entrap him, I've got to entrap him. <laughs> got to so finish the job, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. So you'd see him. That was kind of the end of his career, too. I, I, I don't know whatever happened to him, but he, you'd see him around weeks after that, you know, kind of crying in his beer and different, different bars around town. Yeah. And, you know. Were there other places? You know, you know, the famous story that these guys have, you know, Lou and Pat and those guys lived in the Blue Door yeah. for many years. Oh. And one day they walked outside and there <laughs> was an there. older guy yeah. out there. Yeah. What, what was going on? There was an older guy, and he was, like, kind of puttering around on the street, like, on the sidewalk, and trying to get in, like, kind of, like, basically, like, almost like a person, like, walking into the wall of the building, because he thought he should be able to go between the buildings. There used to be an alley there. It's kind of, it's, it's just kind of Yeah, and it's sort of just been walled off, and he's like, now, he's like, yeah. hey, there used to be an alley here, and you kind of talk like that, like one of those guys, right? Those guys aren't around so much anymore, but, and he's like, yeah, man, there used to be a cat house back here, and we were just like, Really? 
A cat? Yeah, man, at night I was here in the 70s. A great cat house upstairs. An old black, what was her name? Black Mariah, Lou? Black Mary. Black Mary, yeah. Black Mary used to run it. And he just started telling us about how he used to go up there and, and go to the cat house. And then he said, so what was it like? He said, well, I never had any money. So I went up there one day and, and there was nobody up there. And I said, hey, what, what, what can I get? And they said, oh, no, you can't afford anything here. But for $5, you can have the Swamper. <laughs> and swamper. I asked. And then like somebody picked us up and we, no, did you ask him or like? No, that, no. Now the way I heard the story was that's all you knew. That's all we yeah. heard. That he just said that and then you well, had to go. Someone came and picked him someone up. Someone came and picked us up. And and it was like, we were, so yeah. it was like $5 for a swamper. And we, we were, were like, well, what's on, a swamper? We were standing on the street waiting Daddy, for a ride. what's a our, swamper? Our ride pulls up and we tried to kind of be like, we have to resolve this. But there were like cars <laughs> waiting behind our person. With double, so we got in the car and we just. What's a swamper? And this went on for, for this went on for a few weeks, and then thank God for a hive mind, the internet. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wikipedia. Lou or someone said, "What's a swamper?" <laughs> and the swamper Siri. is the, the person, swamper is someone who cleans up afterwards. Sort of the, the it's sort of the. So you get to be that for five months. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they they will also perform other things if you. So that's the yeah. She's not months. one of the. She's not one of like what yeah. the stable or whatever the no. hell, right? But but. <laughs> That's yeah. That's so that was that was uh, Wino Alley. Wino Alley, and it's just to the right of the Blue Door, and it's just to the left of Rainforest Gifts. And there's there's a door there, and you open the door, and you used to be able to go between South Franklin Street and uh, Shattuck Way. Get all the way over to Maine, really. From and yeah, people I- would uh, drink. He said people would get drunk on wine back there, or whatever the cheapest. Alcohol was at the time, and he said a, a lot of guys climbed their way out of there and led good lives. And oh. All right, Bob McKinnon just Bob's walked gonna in. He's going to step up McKinnon. to the microphone Tell here. Tell us your story about Oh, Bob. Bob, you had no idea. Oh, man. Yeah, step, it, step on up. So you got a, you got a story about Wino Alley? Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty bad. Yeah, well, <laughs> clean it up. Clean it well. All right. <laughs> so, no, I was like five. Wino's Alley was still open. No, I, I did hear about Wino's Alley, the whorehouse back there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess that was a legit thing. But, and this is weird saying this context of the whores, but my grandma, um, she moved to Nome when she was like eight. And she was really, like, energetic. And so her nickname was Dynamite. And when she got to Nome... The local town whore's nickname was Dynamite Red, and so it ruined her nickname. Wow. <laughs> her grandma. What'd she call herself after that? Uh, I, Not I'll have to Dynamite ask her, but Red. This, I've been going over to her house, and we've been playing cards, and, and she's been telling these old stories, and that was one from my class about how That's her, her nickname of Dynamite was ruined. All right. All right, well, we're talking to... Uh... We're talking to some local legends here, some some hometown boys from Juneau and guys who've been here for a long time right here on Bridge from Nowhere. Steve Nelson. We're on Bridge from Nowhere, and we're talking to Jamie about some of the jobs he's had. So one of the ones that was 
pretty cool job was you worked on Amtrak. I did. Yeah, right out of college. First job out of college, actually. I worked a summer as a... Applying your degree. Absolutely. My mom was so proud. <laughs> what was your degree? History? Yes, history. Savior. Yep. And my mom, oh, you're going to work on the train. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but I was living in Chicago and it seemed fun. And so I was a... Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but I worked in the dining car, waiting tables, three meals a day. It's called Breakfast, a waiter. lunch, and dinner. Well, they had a fancy train name for it, like oh. service attendant or something oh, like port- that. Hey, Porter. Oh, port- Porter. No, that Porter was interesting. Yeah, and has a racial history that many of the guys who worked on the train did not like the word Porter at all. Oh. Yeah, at all. Found it to be racist and derogatory. An actual, like it's considered a racist term almost. Yeah, yeah completely. Because I would say- I always just thought it was a f- functional- Something about on the train and these guys, because a lot of the times when I worked on the train, I would be the only white person on the crew. It was almost, the, the crews were predominantly African American, um, except for maybe a conductor. And uh, so you know, and these guys, we would talk at the end of the day about not that kind of conductor about the day. And, uh, Sorry, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, they would talk about being called Porter and how much they hated it. And how they would correct people like that's and that's well, a, what what did they want? What was the what's the correct or what's the term? They were called like car attendants or train attendants or something like that. That was just that was their official title with Amtrak and Porter. I guess was a throwback to a bygone era of train travel when uh, black people were not treated very well mm. and were you know Porter, come here, Porter. And there was a lot of old people still use that term yeah. on the train. Yeah, yeah, but they did not like it. Yeah. And it's it was an interesting I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. I just know the Johnny Cash song. Hey Porter. Hey Porter. Yeah. Yeah. I just know the beer. Yes. Por- Porter. Porter. Yeah. I mean I don't know. I don't know. Okay. That was nothing. Yeah. That was nothing. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So so I worked on the train and it was we were based out of Chicago and the trains that out of Chicago, you go Chicago to Seattle, it's called the Empire Builder. You go Chicago to uh San Francisco, it's called the California Zephyr. I worked on a train. We were 36 hours late to Los Angeles on one of the trains I worked on. 36 hours late. Ran out of food. Oh, no. I had to get like on the intercom of the train and say, okay, folks, we've taken everything we have left, and it's in the lounge car. Everyone needs to line up, and you can each have two items. And this was like candy and, you know, like bread rolls and soda, and there was nothing. Was there a stampede? No, I mean, you know, by that point, it was so, we were so late that people had gone beyond, like, the rage to just, like, I don't want to die here. (laughs) It was so weird, like, we were on this section of track where it wasn't really accessible from the road, like, from a road. And were you just at a standstill? Yeah, we were just stuck. Just stuck, just sitting sitting. on a train. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't, we didn't sit for 36 hours. We got, we got late, so we, Hmm. we, we got a couple hours delayed because of... I can't remember water. Or there was a mechanical problem or something. So then you miss your window, and then you're behind a freight car, freight train, and they're just—they don't care at all. So you're just popping along at 20 miles an hour for like a day, and so wow. you get—you know—you yeah. don't get nearly as far as you need to. And then that just starts getting worse and worse because they've got uh, you miss every other window. Yeah, too. you miss every other window, and they've got engineers staggered along the route because the same guy doesn't drive the train all the way across the country. So they rotate crews throughout the nation. But if you're behind, then they got to put those guys like on a van and drive them back. And if an engineer is on the train and they hit their 12 hours, they have to stop the train. If there's no one to, they're not allowed to go overtime. And do they, what do they do? Fly someone, or they? They would usually put them on like a van, 
and yeah. drive them to wherever we needed to be. So then you're sitting there waiting for an engineer for four hours, and then mm-hmm. they get on, and then you start. So all of that just compounded. And then we got outside of Los Angeles, and something broke, and we were just stuck and sitting there. <laughs> and then it's just now we just everybody line up, and you can have a Skittles and a Pepsi if you want, and that's got to get you through until we get to civilization. And it was just <laughs> long. I mean, it was cool. It was great. We went over the Sierra Nevadas and, like, the uh, – Donner Pass, where the Donner Party got mm-hmm. stuck and ate each other. Yes. You know, all that. Now, and as the only white guy, how did the, what was the dynamic like? You know, I I get along with people. So it was, it was great. They, they it all was liked actually, you, right? Yeah, everybody liked me. And it was really interesting. It's one of those times when you, as a white person, you're not often the very clear minority in a group, you know, just from a number standpoint, not from an experience or whatever. And so, you know, there were things like I was, I was uh, uh, a lot of these guys would work just like you were talking about on the North Slope. A lot of these guys would work week on, week off, and they lived in Mississippi and they'd train commute up to Chicago to catch the train that was going to San Francisco and back for a week. So they would bring up like these southern guys, like the chef would bring up like collard greens and grits and all this mm-hmm. stuff, none of which I had ever had before. Oh, and to the point where one day they were making breakfast for the crew, and I went down and I asked them like, "What is what's that?" They said, you don't know what, what, what grits are? And I said, no. They said, oh, man, Jamie, you are going to, you know, right. you get up there and sit your ass down. And he brought me grits and greens and eggs, and I just was, you know, shoveling yeah. them in. <laughs> so delicious. <laughs> so good. And he's just like, man, look at Jamie. And everybody was just laughing. Like, these grits is good. But, I mean, it was interesting. They would um, – I remember there were times – you would stop in a place like Denver and we'd have to fuel the train and get water for the train. And it's a city, so it's a complicated station. So you have like a three-hour layover in Denver. So I could leave the train and go walk around downtown Denver. It's the only time I've ever been there, actually. And um, every once in a while, like an tended to be an older white woman, actually, would kind of come up to me and make sure I was okay because I was working with only black people. It was really weird. like that weird gentle yeah. racism. I mean, yeah. gentle is not the right word, gentle but you know what I mean? racism. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, so yeah, that's not necessarily the right phrase. But, uh, you know, like, are you okay? And it took me a while to figure out. I was like, Wait, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. Are you sure? What's it? Uh, how are you? How, what's yeah. it like to just work with all of them? A lot them, of them yeah. and they and all that. Right. So, yeah. And, um, no, it was great. It's it's a, it was a that was a very cool like kind of experience to spend time with people that you don't normally spend time, especially when you're 21 years old, um, for three days across the country because you can't help but bond together when you're on the train for you know 70 hours together working. They did a funny thing where they um, the meals, especially for trains going out west, they based them on like old wagon train meals, right? So a lot of like biscuits and gravy and meat and brisket and you know like these really big meals. But, um, you know, those people walked to San Francisco. Yeah, right. And we were just sitting on our asses. I mean, even riding a horse is hard yeah, work. Yeah, even riding a horse is hard work. And just sitting on our ass and just shoveling in biscuits and gravy for breakfast and a steak for dinner. You know, it was, Served oof. in a hog trough. It's just, yeah. But, I mean, it was it was fun. And then we'd get to a town. Load up the and, trough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And else you just spill hot coffee on somebody because the train goes, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And watching, like, lightning storms across the plains was really cool because at the end of the night, just lay down in your little bed on the train, and it was just, you know, the prairies of America. And you'd see these, th- these hot summer thunderstorms coming through, and you could just see lightning hitting the ground all over because you're literally in the middle of nowhere. You're not even by a highway. So it was just that stuff was really cool. And I'd get off the train with, like, $200 in tips at the end of each trip. Which blow was awesome, it. and just blow it. Just two hundred one dollar bills, <laughs> because God love Amtrak. They did not going. have a Mac. Yeah, woo! <laughs> if 
five for fives. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I'll have a two hundred for two hundred, please. <laughs> Yeah, we take we were all poor. I would take all my friends out to dinner, you know. Um, and it was funny. Amtrak had no mechanism for cashing it, like changing out your tips. Oh, so you just had to. You just had to literally, like, yeah. I would literally walk up the train with rolls, of, just a roll. Yeah. I would roll the money up like drug dealers do, right. and it would just be like in each pocket, just bulging out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a good times so. though. I did it for six months. It was a fun job, and then they kind of wanted me to stay, but in the winter they're like, well, it's less regular and you're going to have to um, be a, a car attendant too. So that's a lot of like making beds and cleaning bathrooms and stuff like that, which I didn't really want to no. do. You, you didn't know how. Yeah. Also really didn't know how. <laughs> Although making an Amtrak bed, pretty easy. You know, you just flip them up, turn the thing, flip them down. Yeah. Mm. And then cleaning an Amtrak bathroom, you just, you fill up a bucket with like soap and bleach and you just open the door and you just throw it in there <laughs> and then you close the door and you wait for a little while and then you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. And I also worked at the Coast Starlight, which was Seattle to San Diego, which is actually the best train in Amtrak. And if anybody really wants to just take a train trip, that one is awesome. I recommend that one a lot. Just along the Pacific, it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, trains, you know, it's sort of, uh, it was so, when I took the, I took the same trip that you took, but kind of recently, maybe within the last five years. So I went from DC to New York, actually, on Amtrak. And it was so nice because you get to this train station like 15 minutes before your train leaves and you get a coffee and then two minutes before the train closes, you walk onto the train, you hand someone a ticket, they don't pat you down. Nope. Yeah. You walk on with your coffee, you know, all that, you know, you bring your luggage. Like a human. Like a human being. (laughs) It's very... Pleasant way to travel. You're traveling like a human being again. It was totally refreshing and super fun to not have to worry about everything being in the right place and all the small, you know, all that stuff. You're just like, eh, whatever. You spread out. Yep. Yeah, you, you can know, get up and move around. Get up and walk around all you want. You get food. Yeah, I mean, trains are great, actually. I kind of miss... I've taken the train here in Alaska a few times, which is also great and super fun. But, I know um, my grandfather yeah. lived... My grandfather worked in Manhattan most of his life. And uh, this is my dad's dad. And he took the train from Long Island to Manhattan. Oh, the Long Island know, Railroad. For years yeah. and years. Yep. And um, he would play bridge and chess. And he had the same guys that they would get on the same car. And they would play bridge and chess. And they'd continue the game, you know, at, in the morning and at night and all that. And, uh, it, you know, it seemed like that was like a really important part of his day. Like it was like the best part of his day almost yeah. was taking that train trip. Beats the hell out of sitting in your car and like, you know, yeah. walking and yeah. In our own little pod and getting angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. About the idiot in front of you who's not an idiot at all, actually. They're just in front of you. Just another person. <laughs> yeah, like you. Yeah. Yeah, trains are, I miss it. I would like to, I've thought for a while about it. Like I'd love to do, I mean, the Alaska Railroad trip is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty fun. I've done that a couple of times. Last I've done the I White was, uh, Pass. But, yeah, yeah, White Pass. Yeah, the White Pass. I did that one too. That's really cool. Narrow gauge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not that couple of those bridges are like Ooh. old artifacts. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah, we did the thing. I did the thing last it was it might have been this year. Yeah, it was this year where or last year now, but um where we stayed, the Forest Service has a caboose that they made into a cabin you can stay in overnight next to the train. That was awesome. So Whistle you stop the train just yeah, what was that? Took the ferry to Skagway and then the, the ferry train. to Skagway and hop on the train and the they caboose cabin. Yeah, and then they just you just get on. You get we had our own car on the train because you're camping, and uh, they just whistle stop the train at like it was like six or seven miles up the track, and they just stop. You get out with all your stuff, and there's just an old caboose right there, 
even on an old little section of track. And you've just, that's your catcher's spot for them. We stayed there for two nights. It was awesome. Yeah. And you ate three pounds of butter? Yeah, Amish at least. Butter, Amish butter. We, yeah. we brought steaks and bacon. and I mean, it's like, car, you know, you bring, there's no, you're not walking out with everything strapped on your back. So you bring whatever you want. Oh, which was amazing. And then all day, like, we went hiking in the woods and stuff too. But if you're just hanging out, you just wave to the trains all day. Trains go by, wave. We were right next to one of those narrow gauge bridges, which was really cool. We like kind of hang on it. We actually walked across it, which you're not kind of supposed to yeah. do. Fools! But um, yeah, almost had a stand, stand by, by me. me. Yes. Yeah, we missed the stand by me by about 10 minutes, actually. Eric and I walked across, and then we thought, that's ah, late. There are no more trains. And then about five minutes after we got across the bridge, we heard, chugga, 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 chugga. And then at the end, um, there was some kind of. What would you do? I don't know, actually. I mean, seriously, like it, we didn't go until it was late. You'd have to um, hang. You'd have to yeah, climb, I mean, the, climb down somehow, uh, but you climb it down. No, I we would have. I think there was. We either there would have been enough room at the edge, barely to like lean, or we would have had to run, like literally. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, but running on those railroads. Yeah, that's no, not... it's not good. No, I'm glad we weren't hit by a train. Trust me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah. It's a terrible way to just a what a helpless. Yeah, and it's a. I mean, it was a huge drop from the bridge too, so it's not like a you know, it's a hundred feet or. What something. about the old? Can't you lay down? Won't a train go over you if you really lay down flat? I don't know. Those old ones look like they have a bunch of junk underneath them. I don't know. Hanging off. <laughs> look yeah. at Jamie. Yeah, not That's me. That's a narrow yeah. rail There's gauge. A narrow... <laughs> Suck it in. Um, I mean, of a human. Like oh. a normal human. <laughs> would have jumped onto the, the front of the train. Jumped on the engine. Train um, travel. Yeah, train travel. Bridge. Let's leave this tale here on this bridge as we uh, will continue on with more Bridge from Nowhere. Gentle... Racism. Yeah. I mean, yeah. gentle is not the right word, Gentle but you know what I mean. Racism. Like... <laughs> That's it for Bridge from Nowhere today. Our thanks to Barry Logan calling all the way from Pennsylvania. Also, Steve Nelson here in Alaska. Thanks to our house band, Coulson, which is made up of. That very same Steve Nelson, and also George Kuhar of Playboy Spaceman. Also thanks to KTOO, Alaska Robotics, and the Alaska Podcast Network for making this all happen. Also want to thank Heather, Jen, and Allie. Thanks to Scott Burton, Jeff Brown, and Shelley Delaney of KTOO for helping us get this on the air. You can find out more about this podcast on bridgefromnowhere.com. We're available on iTunes and on the KTOO podcast site. That's it from us today. We've burned another bridge. Thanks for joining us.